when being less gloomy isn't a good thing. That story and more on H2O Radio's Weekly News Report. I'm Jamie Sudler. I'm Franny Halperin, and it's This Week in Water. About 360,000 Californians have unsafe water. An analysis by McClatchy shows many people are showering, cooking, washing, and drinking water with excessive contaminants, including uranium, arsenic, and nitrates. The study also shows that providers for 6 million people in the Golden State have been in violation of state standards at some point in the last six years. More than half of those systems are in the San Joaquin Valley. A recent study from UC Davis shows that the unsafe drinking water core relates to poverty in the valley. This is due to the way the area was developed, segregating Latino workers in farm labor camps and isolated communities. The state legislature is now involved because a law passed six years ago called the Human Right to Water Act recognizes that everyone has the right to safe, clean, affordable, and accessible water. A new bill is proposed to fund the repair of treatment systems in distressed communities. Funds would come from taxes on residents and businesses through their monthly water bills and agriculture would pay a tax on fertilizers. But the bill is opposed by urban providers who say the problem is largely rural and they ask why people say in L.A. should pay for a problem that's not theirs. In other news from California, it's known as the June gloom. Cool, moist air typically comes in during the month and cloaks the landscape with clouds, but that may be disappearing. Recent research shows that summer in the southern part of the state is becoming 25 to 50 percent less cloudy. The drop is attributed to urban heat and climate change. The study used observations taken continuously at airports and military airfields from Santa Barbara to San Diego since the 1970s. As Earther reports, clouds that do form are higher and thinner, letting in more sunlight and causing more evaporation. One researcher said that increased evaporation is equivalent to losing an extra inch of water a year to the atmosphere, leaving dried out vegetation susceptible to fire. Many people want to live sustainably. A new study shows that the most effective way to do that is through diet. Inside Climate News reports that researchers from Oxford University and a Swiss institute assessed the impact of food production and consumption nearly worldwide. They found that shifting to a diet without animal products would cut greenhouse gas emissions from agriculture nearly in half. Avoiding meat and dairy products has the most effect on living sustainably, more so than driving an electric vehicle. But even modest steps were effective. The lead author told The Guardian that if the most harmful half of meat and dairy production were replaced by food from plants, it would result in huge benefits without needing all humans to become vegans. One way to turn this research to practical use would be to label products with the impact they have so consumers could make an informed choice. Climate change is putting the world's children, particularly those in poorer areas, at higher risk of some diseases. Research published last month in the journal Pediatrics shows that children under the age of five bear nearly 90% of the impact of diseases related to global warming. One of the signs, more kids have to go to emergency rooms due to asthma caused by lung irritation from rising temperatures and ozone levels. In addition to harming young people's lungs, climate change is also 
expected to cause increased illness in kids from waterborne bacterial infections that cause diarrhea. One of the researchers said in an email to Grist that kids are not just small adults. Their physiology is different, and how they respond to the environment is different. The authors of the paper say that pediatricians must take action on global warming. Inaction would be a detriment to the very population they're committed to protect. Wildfires have been burning in parts of Colorado, New Mexico, and Southern California, consistent with a recent forecast that said it will be a worse-than-normal fire season due to dry conditions. While the situation is unwanted, scientists funded by NOAA, NASA, and the National Science Foundation have been planning to study smoke from wildfires. For two years, using aircraft, satellites, vans, and even traveling by foot, they'll analyze the chemistry and physics of the smoke and how it affects health and the climate. Science Magazine reports the smoke includes an array of noxious compounds and tiny particles that affect breathing and promote disease. Many people living in the West may see an increase in the number of smoke waves that cover a community with particulates and compounds for two days or more. Finally, one way to gauge the health of a community is to look at what it's leaving behind. In Tempe, Arizona, that idea is leading some scientists to look at wastewater coming from toilets and sinks because it holds clues to whether people are consuming health-threatening substances like opioids, cocaine, or alcohol. The city has partnered with Arizona State University because, as lead scientist Rolf Halden told the local ABC affiliate, if they ask people about their drug use, they may get one answer. But when they analyze the wastewater, well, sewage doesn't lie. In a test at ASU, Halden said the results confirmed what many assume, a rise in alcohol use over weekends and a spike in performance-enhancing drugs like Adderall during finals week. But it's not like the city wants to bust students. The analysis can't identify an individual. Rather, they can use the data to detect trends and threats early and pinpoint where to send resources to help people with addiction. This is in Halden's first research using wastewater. He and his team studied it to highlight the detrimental effects of antimicrobials such as triclosan. Following his call for national and international legal action, the Food and Drug Administration banned the use of these chemicals in personal care products last September. Halden says we spend a lot of money in health care treating illness rather than preventing people from getting sick in the first place. But he says by building a large database of samples, it's possible to track environmental releases and human exposure to toxic chemicals and maybe prevent diseases and epidemics before they strike. That's it for This Week in Water. We'll see you next time. This Week in Water is supported by the American Water Works Association, bringing together the best and brightest minds in the water sector at ACE 18. Learn more at awwa.org forward slash ACE 18. <laughs>